to another episode of the Putt Return Podcast, Week 12, Part 2 of our Thanksgiving coverage here uh, of Week 12. I'm Joshua, as always, joined by Nick Splitter at uh, about 6, 7 a.m. in the morning here, um, very early on a Sunday. Uh, we pushed our Friday uh, podcast time out of the way um, after a pretty, pretty successful Thanksgiving for us with uh, some of the results. Yeah, it's uh, strange to be doing this 6am in the morning, but uh, dedication to the cause. But yeah, it was not too bad. Uh, Thanksgiving, a couple of games for us. Yeah, uh, Washington in particular, plus three and, and the money line. Um, convincing win for them. Moved to first place in the NFC East and uh, in our head-to-head. I, I got one back on you with the over uh, <laughs> lobbing there for us. And then I had a small lean on, on the over in, in Houston and Detroit, but I think uh, the biggest takeaway for me from from Thanksgiving is, apart from Washington and Antonio Gibson just being on fire, is for the Lions. Do you think Matt Patricia survives the season? And I think you know we talked a couple of weeks ago about how undesirable the Houston job is. I think it still is somehow desirable just because Deshaun. You could spend decades trying to find a quarterback as good as Deshaun Watson, and I think that's kind of appealing to any sort of offensive-minded head coach. He is an absolute freak, Deshaun Watson. Yeah. He is an absolute freak. Um, and you're right. I think any any head coach would want a guy like Deshaun Watson. Um, but, yeah, that, that's the big question, isn't it? Is 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 he that good that a coach or a GM would take on that rabble just because mm-hmm. of him? I'm sure there would be guys that would say yes, but I'm pretty sure that there would also be guys that would say no. Yep. But Matt Patricia, oh, God, yeah, God, I don't know. I don't, know, I don't see any way after. Yeah, I don't see any way that he's still there at the end of the season. Yeah, I think he's a dollar one to be to be fired. Uh, but the the question is when. Um, yeah, and yeah, that's that's going to be interesting. I think maybe week fifteen, sixteen, just try to to see if the team can rally a little bit. I don't know, just to finish the year on a good note. I don't know, but uh, yeah, that's that's crazy. Uh, obviously, there's supposed to be a third. Uh, Thanksgiving game with Baltimore and Pittsburgh. That game was moved from sort of Friday lunchtime, our time to, to Wednesday lunchtime, our time because of all the uh, COVID cases and the and the lead. The buried, burying in the lead was Lamar Jackson now has has COVID, and there was a lot of uproar about this game being moved. And I, for one, want like wanted it to be moved, not because I want the Ravens to be benefiting or the Steelers to get hurt or anything like that, but it was more this. I think for games like this, they should have moved some of the others in the past. So if I'm San Francisco or someone, I'm absolutely pissed off because they were playing, you know, practice squad players a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, it, it does make sense if you've got that many COVID cases and, and you're not sure what's going on. I think for the safety of your opponents, that's why they're moving and not to try to help the Ravens field a stronger team. I think that is probably the reason it got moved, but I'm not sure. But um, it's going to make this game a little bit less of less appealing than when as the as first thought. Yeah, I think also one of the one of the key reasons that they were able to, to move it was because because they knew that the Ravens were gonna have to have closed sessions and online sessions and stuff for a couple of days that they mandated Monday, Tuesday, I think it was Monday, Tuesday sessions um, off site for every every franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was one of the reasons they were able to move it to the Wednesday, whereas um, you know, when, when we had some of those games a few weeks ago, uh, that process still wasn't 
I guess, nutted out, I guess. And, and, uh, yep. so they, they found a way to, to be able to do that this week, but yeah, you, you do feel sorry, I guess, a bit for the Steelers, the way it's played oh, out. Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, like now you get to play yeah. RG3. So, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not all doom and gloom. Um, and this line moves now to, to minus seven. Um, so, you know, we'll, both kind of, I think I had no play, but you were leaning Baltimore. But um, I think if you made a wager on on Thursday night or, or Friday, because that game's been moved outside forty eight hours, at some books they sort of cancel that that book, and um, you bet maybe okay potentially depends where you depends where you wagered or if you had wagered yet, uh, Nick. Yeah, I had. Luckily, I, I hadn't I hadn't played anything yet, but um, yep. yeah, I had James Connor out now as well for for the season. Yeah, so. so, so. Yeah, yeah, so there's, there's a few yet yet to see what that lineup will look like. Yeah, so slither of hope, but the line's now out to about seven. Unofficially, it's down at most books, but um, that's a bit of a fizzer. So we'll, we'll move on. We've we've discussed that game at length. Um, so let's let's get into the rest of the slate here of week twelve, and and uh, after a good Thanksgiving, hopefully we can rock and roll for the rest of the week. And we'll start with Las Vegas minus three at Atlanta. The total is fifty four. Um, I like the over 54 here. This is another dome game for, for Matt Ryan and, and Derek Carr. Um, and, yeah, I think the over, is, it's kind of trending quite quite well for the Raiders recently. So they'll have no problem scoring more than 30 points a year against the Falcons defense, who's 21st in DVOA and just let Taysom Hill score 24 points. You know, outside of that bad weather game in Cleveland, the over's 4-0 on the road for the, for the Raiders this year. Um, with the team averaging more than 31 points. And then, obviously, on the other side of the ball, the, the Falcons should have a lot more success uh, this week than they did against the Saints' defense, who have just just gone from strength to strength. And the Raiders' D is actually worse than Atlanta's. They're 24th in DVOA, and they allowed 2.74 points per possess, possession on defense, which is dead last in the league. So I like this to be a bit of a shootout. I think Atlanta bounced back a little bit on offense after a really sort of subpar showing last week. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's pretty much what I was going to say. I, I think that Matt Ryan and Atlanta will bounce back. Um, that was really a disaster last week against the Saints in that second half. But no Todd Gurley this week, potentially no Julio Jones. It's two of their top weapons. Um, we know that the Falcons can't stop anyone through the air. They've got the 26th-ranked DVOA pass defense. And Derek Carr's having a, a good year, as you kind of touched on before, throwing the ball. Um, I'm pretty comfortable with no play on the on the lines at the moment but if Julio Jones does play that I don't mind the over 54 because I think that just gives them another element of moving the ball um, and, and moving the chains which I think that they lack without him I know they've got Calvin Ridley and and a few other guys that can can score and, and Julio Jones hasn't done a great job of scoring points over the last year or two but um, he does move the chains really well for them and and does provide them kind of an outlet when they're when they're looking to move the ball down the field so um if he does play, then over fifty four is is a play for me. But if he doesn't, then uh, it's a it's a pass. Mm, that, that total was around fifty five and a half, and it started to drop. So maybe based off that, the, the indication might be that he isn't going to suit up. And, and I think you raise a valid point because you know Atlanta's offense actually without Jones this year that the average sixteen points in the four games he's limited or unavailable for. So obviously that's very small sample size and schedule based, but. He makes a big difference and allows them to do a lot more with Calvin Ridley and, and Hayden Hurst and the like. So, um, yeah, I, I 
definitely. I think no Todd Gurley might be an upgrade. I don't know. I'm not a huge believer <laughs> well, in Gurley. I was, Gurley, I was but... actually looking at, at um, Brian Hill's stats and, and actually looked at the two games that he started last season for Atlanta. And uh, his starter numbers are terrible compared to his his right. uh, bench or backup numbers. So He's more of a change of pace guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. We'll see. Um, all right. Any anything else on that one? I don't. Ha- I don't have really have any props because Julio is such a big piece that, that just changes things. Really. Yeah. No. Um, nothing for me. Actually, I've one. got I've got some Derek Carr stuff for my long shots a little bit later on. Um, we'll we'll get to that. Um, all right. Chargers at Buffalo. Buffalo four and a half point favorites at home. The total is fifty two and a half. I, I lean towards Buffalo minus four and a half. Um. I just looked Herbert's terrific, but this is also a team that's just allowed Joe Flacco and the Jets to score 20, 28 points against them. So it's it's tough for me to, to to pick the Chargers, but with John Brown out and the potential addition of Chris Harris and Austin Eckler, it may be enough to just push me towards a no play at all. Um, betting on the Chargers as a favourite is always terrifying, but betting against them as an underdog is also equally terrifying. So. Um, just give it, just because every game under Anthony Lynn is just always within one possession, it feels like. Um, so I actually, my numbers like this, though, they have it minus six and a half, um, but I'm going to wait till Sunday night um, to decide if it makes my card. But you do got to love the home team stepping out after a bye week against a, a struggling visiting sort of team like the Chargers going across the country. Chargers are one and four straight up on the road. And they're three victims that they've defeated this year at a three twenty six and one. So they haven't really beaten too many good teams. So um, I'll lean Buffalo. But I know I think a lot of sharps are, are massive on the Chargers this week. Yeah, I'm I'm leaning Chargers, but I'm certainly not not confident by any means. Um, you look at the way Buffalo started the season on offense. They were a top ten, if not top five, offense for the first half of the season. Um, and the Chargers have actually turned that around. They're actually uh, ranked higher than Buffalo in DVOA offense at the moment. Um, one of Buffalo's big issues is their O-line, um, and they're, they're struggling to, to block for their runners. And in previous years, it's been one of their strengths has been running the ball. But uh, this year, it's been a real weakness of theirs. They're only, uh, only, their O-line is only allowing kind of 3.8, 3.9 yards per carry from their runners, which is, which is like – ranked 26th or ranked 27th or something. They've lost Cody Ford this week for the rest of the season. Um, there are only a couple of teams performing worse in that metric than, than Buffalo, actually. It's Miami, Pittsburgh, Cincy, the Giants, and Houston. We all know that they've struggled to run the ball um, this season, and Buffalo are one of the worst. That The Chargers are ranked 27th in rush defense DVOA, so that could be a benefit for, for Buffalo, but it is, it is one area that they've really struggled in. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm leaning the Chargers, but... You know, it, it's really hard to tell. Is so much of of the numbers are equal on both sides of the ball for for these two teams in terms of offense and defense. It really could come down to who defends the the, the passing game better. In DVOA, Buffalo fourteenth ranked uh, pass defense, Chargers sixteenth ranked pass defense. So pretty pretty even again according to the numbers. But uh, yeah, it could be close. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one. Um, it should be it should be a good game. It's just no real strong feel. I'm not like my numbers like it, but yeah, I think this should be a fun sort of quarterback matchup at the end of the day. Anyway, with uh, Allen and and Herbert tearing it up, maybe maybe the over could be the the play there. But uh, we'll see. Um, all right, no, New York Giants minus six at Cincinnati. Total is forty four 
and a half. This is pretty much a pass for me. It's just it's too hard to quantify the Bengals with Ryan Finley. I mean, there's just very limited data on Ryan Finley really available to us, but we just know that he's not very good at football. We just don't know how bad he is. Um, but look, since he have dropped just above the Jets in my ratings, so that's how good Joe, Joe Burrow kind of lifted this outfit. I mean, the, the effect that he has on this offense and this team is is pretty pretty big just already for a rookie quarterback that hadn't even played 10 games. So, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's just sad. Yeah, it's depressing for me without Joey Burrows. It's a pass for me too. Yep. Um, all right, let's move on. Tennessee at Indy. Um, Indy minus three. Total is 51 and a half. That line, very tentative with Jonathan Taylor uh, out now and, and that, that game's down at a lot of books. But as of recording, there's still some minus three around. So we'll, we'll stick that stick that in for the purposes of the podcast here. Um, but yeah, this still this line doesn't really make any sense to me. The Colts... They were one-point favourite on the road versus the Titans two weeks ago. The match was pretty even somewhat except for some errors on special teams that gave the Colts a couple of short fields and, and touchdowns. Um, so now you've got, you know, as as always, a divisional game, which you always sort of play a lot tighter. You've got home field advantage is minimal in 2020 with the way that the, uh, the league's set up and this line's moved to two and a half points. It just seems too big a move for me. Um, and then you've got to factor in that Rivers has been on the injury report all week. Buckner's on the COVID-19 list. Now Jonathan Taylor's on the COVID-19 list as well. Um, so, look, my numbers have this Colts sort of minus one. Um, there's not much separating these two sides. So I'll be taking the Titans plus three and, and, the, Texas, uh, and the Titans money line as well. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's another another week, another another game for the Colts to prove to the rest of the league, how good they are or can be. They outscored the Packers by 17 in the second half last week, winning in overtime. And uh, all the numbers say that this is an even tougher offense to to stop and to limit. Last week they had Rodgers, Adams and Jones, and that's that's tough on its own. But this week they've got Tannehill, Derek Henry, AJ Brown, Corey Davis. There's a lot of options on this uh, Titans offense um, to, to try and limit to to uh, stop scoring points. I'm a huge fan of, of what Michael Pittman and, and uh, the Colts' offense have done over the last kind of three or four weeks. And I think with Zach Pascal back, the, the Colts' offense looks a lot more balanced. Um, Jonathan Taylor out is is a big one just because he's been kind of the anchor point for that offense. He he hasn't had huge numbers. He's had a couple of decent weeks, but they're not, not massive numbers. But I think that he's just given them some balance in the way that they run the ball and throw the ball. Um, and... One of my, my key points for this one was that they were going to need some more consistency from that run game to be able to mix it with with big offensive teams like the Titans, and I think that that Taylor out is a is a big out for them. Um, yeah, last week was probably his best game as a pro too. Yeah, which, um, which is which is sad, but he's done the right thing with his his girlfriend was tested, so it's it, she she tested positive after a trip out of state, so that's. You know, Jonathan Taylor hasn't really done anything wrong. He's just he hasn't tested positive, but he needs to self isolate. Yeah, look, I think it's one of those things. Like, you know, with the the state of play in the in the USA at the moment, it's, there are a lot of people not doing anything wrong, but they're going to get sick because of the way that it's being regulated and, and yep. managed over there. But uh, we don't. I don't think we need to talk about that too much. But um, yeah, look, I, th- I think if it comes down to the wire, it might be the Colts' special teams that makes a difference. Um, I, I had before I heard the, the Taylor news, and I haven't really changed any of any of my numbers since that. But I had the Colts by two, 
as a result, but the play was Tennessee plus three and, and a bit on Tennessee money line, and that might be a little bit stronger now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know if Taylor's worth too much of a price change for the Colts, but it just gives them less depth, I think. If you know mm. something happens to Jordan Wilkins and you know, you're only you've only really got sort of Neheim Hines, who isn't quite a big bruiser, he's more of a change of pace mm. guy that we've seen and we do love Neheim, but um yeah, and you're right, the special teams thing that's that in a line this small, it could come down to that and, and the difference is that sort of the Colts have had a lot more special team success. It's the reason they won the game last time and, and Stephen Gostowski hasn't. So that's definitely sort of an advantage to the Colts. But yeah, I think plus three years, you know, it's still around at some places is something to potentially get on because I think this may dip to, to under that number. Mm. Um, all right. Oh, if this game goes to overtime, just watch out for Derek Henry. First man in <laughs> league history with multiple overtime touchdowns in one season. Um, so you, know, you throw to win, you throw to win the games, but you're under closing, and, and Henry's a you know a plus closer at this point. Um, all right, Carolina at Minnesota, Minnesota minus three, totals fifty. Um, no real strong thoughts on this line. It looks like Teddy Bridgewater will play. Christian McCaffrey is not playing. I like the over fifty. Each of these teams kind of loaded with offensive playmakers, even without Christian McCaffrey playing, but they've got sort of a shaky defense. So I think this totals probably three or four points too low, in my opinion. You know, we saw Dallas Cowboys score points against Minnesota a couple of weeks back, and I think Carolina can do the same. They have the, the wide receivers to take advantage of the, the Vikings' flaws in the secondary. And then at the same time, you know, we've seen Carolina like just cannot force teams to punt, and I think the Vikings can sort of run all over them in this game. And and that could hurt the total a little bit with these long sort of running drives that we see. The Vikings might only have six possessions, but they might score in all six of them. So, um, you know, maybe that does point towards picking the Vikings here. But uh, I think this line's probably bang on for me. Um, if anything, I'd probably lean minus three. I, I did prefer Carolina early in the week at the plus four and a half. And obviously that's moved um, the right way back to, to where the line should be. Yeah, I agree with you. Um pretty much on all of that. The, the one thing that scares me off the, the Vikings is uh, Adam Thielen missing. He's, he's kind of been, you know, so, spoke about Derek Henry being that closer for, for Tennessee. Adam Thielen's kind of that guy for, for the Vikings. He's got 11 touchdowns in 10 games. So I think we can kind of expect a big game from Dalvin Cook. Uh, he's actually got 13 touchdowns in nine games, I think it is. So that's, that's uh, unbelievable for, uh, for a running back so far this year. But, um, I reckon he would have been disappointed with only 115 yards and a, and a score against the Cowboys last week. We know how bad the Cowboys have been, and and their run defense is is certainly not a not a uh, a strength of their roster at the moment. He he would have been disappointed with his performance, I think. Um, so I'm looking for him to have a, a big game. Um, I'm scared of that total without Thielen, but I will take Dalvin Cook over at his line of. Uh, 113 rushing yards. He's gone over 113 five of his nine games, and I think he'll he'll go well over that in this one. Yeah, definitely. I think also if you're looking for a player to take some overs on, Justin Jefferson without Adam Thielen uh, should have a should have a massive game, 100 plus, maybe 125 plus. There at five dollars might be the way to go because we've seen him have big games even with Adam Thielen. So um, that's definitely one to consider. Those two are obviously just going to have monster targets with Dalvin Cook and, and Justin Jefferson there. Um, all right, Miami minus six and a half at the New York Jets. Total is 44 and a half. 
Um, you tweeted yesterday or, or Facebooked or, or whatever via our accounts that we need to stop Schefter and, and Rap Sheet <laughs> tweeting some bombs overnight. And just before we went on air, they dropped their, probably their final bomb with with Tua downgraded to doubtful and he'll be out in this game. So we get Fitzmagic back um, here for for the Jets. So Fitzmagic starting. Um, so six and a half still for Miami. Uh, totals four and a, 44 and a half. What, what do you like in this? Well, I liked... I like the Jets at the line of six and a half. I also liked the under 44 and a half with Tua, but I think that under isn't a no play now with Fitz. Uh, just just a lot of question marks about who's who's playing. I mean, obviously, they've, they've just announced that, that it's probably going to be Fitz with Tua doubtful. Usually when a QB is doubtful at this point of the week that they don't play. Um, but Salvon Ahmed has been the guy at running back for the last few weeks with Gaskin and Breida and cutting Jordan Howard. Who, who is it this week? Ahmed's injured. Um, we've heard that Gaskin's potentially going to be activated off off IR, but that hasn't been confirmed. Matt Breida's done nothing for the Dolphins since he signed in the, in the offseason. So um, who's going who's gonna to start at running back? Um, I really love Devontae Parker if, uh, if Fitzmagic plays. Um, so I feel like the Jets at six and a half, I think that they can they can keep it keep it tight on uh, on Miami with with Fitzmagic, but yeah, certainly not a strong play this week. Yeah, uh, I like Miami, minus six and a half. I think this is a get-right spot for them after all that drama and and, and uh, disappointment last week. And I think this is a classic letdown spot as well for the Jets after being quite competitive over the last few weeks. Um, you know, the tour benching was an interesting decision. Obviously, maybe it was a bit more injury-based now in hindsight than we thought, um, but I wasn't a huge fan of that decision. Um, but you know you still got to win win the game, and if you thought Fitz coming in and changing the pace up gave you the best chance, then you can do that. But you know, Tua's confidence would have been absolutely shot from that. But you know, he hasn't been great. They've they've been a little bit lucky on special teams and things the last few weeks. That's kind of overrated them a little bit. But look, this is the divisional road game. The Dolphins' defense is one of the best in the league, and they shouldn't have any sort of trouble keeping the Jets off the board for for much of this game. And and I think um, I don't think Miami need to score too many touchdowns to, to cover this spread of it being under a touchdown. The last time they played, I know it was in Miami, but they were sort of ten point favourites. And I think Miami's roster and, and the way they're playing is even better now at the moment. Um, I know the Jets are playing better, but I think if Fitz back in board, he'll be eager to, to show what he's got and put up a massive game for them and, and potentially keep Tua on the sideline. Um, so you know, with the injury, it gives Miami the chance to say, "Oh, we're, we're keeping him." safe uh this week so you know a few more weeks if if that if Fitz plays plays that well but um yeah I think I think Miami win and cover. yeah yeah I I get the logic um I just when when I was kind of doing some some numbers and some research for this game I just with two I just didn't see a whole lot of points in this game mm-hmm. um and Fitz obviously changes that because he's a much more offensive in terms of you know throwing the ball a much more offensive minded player um, yeah. and, and you never know what to what to expect from uh, from Fitz. Whereas we kind of got a sense of of who Tua is as a QB and how he's going to manage games and, and how he's going to play yeah. out some of those moments over the last month or so. But Fitz is is uh, an enigma, as we've spoken yeah. about many times on this show. Um, so yeah, I yeah, I don't know. He's a true wild card. Um, all right, Arizona minus one and a half at New England. Total is forty nine. And a half, um, yeah, I, I love Arizona here. Um, minus one and a half. 
that seems seems crazy to me that that's that's the line. Um, but here we are. Um, Kyler Murray is good to go. Um, yeah, I think they should be favoured by three points here at least. Um, I think I've got it minus three and a half. The, Pat, the Pats' defence has been abysmal this season. They're 32nd in DVOA and net yards per pass attempt. I don't really see them slowing down this offence. That's 15 points per drive. And, you know, the Pats' offence has had some success of late, but the Cardinals' defence is third in red zone success rate, 11th in DVOA. And I think they're in a much better position of, you know, the teams that the Pats have faced the last couple of weeks where they've, you know, exploded offensively and it can slow them down. So the Pats, you know, against the Texans and Jets, I think the Cardinals will be a lot more effective than those two teams. So, yeah, I like Arizona minus one and a half here. Um, I still think you're getting value on some of these Pats games because it's still Bill Belichick at home. And I think people are scared to bet against that, and including me. I've done that in the past, but just the more I watch and look at this team, the, it's it's noticeable that I think they're way more worse off defensively than offensively. Everyone wants to focus on the, the loss of Tom Brady, but the loss of personnel on defense and, and mm. just – it's just been an absolute strip out. Like they were already undermatched before they went into the season with a lot of missing pieces for cope from COVID, and they've lost a lot more throughout the season. So yeah, it's just an ugly, ugly defense at the moment. Yeah, certainly not the uh, New England defense that we've we've been accustomed to over the last decade. But uh, mm. no, you're right. I, I I think you've pretty much said it all. I, I love Arizona in this spot. Uh, we might have our lock of the week here. I thought there was going to be another game that we might have a, a lock on, but uh, might have might have got to that early. Yeah, I think I think I'm more comfortable with this than the other game that we're both on the same side of. So yeah, I'm happy to lock in lock of the week for Arizona. So Arizona yep. minus one and a half. Um, it's still out there um, at multiple books. So um, yeah, definitely definitely worth a play there. So that's our lock of the week for for week twelve. Um, in hindsight, we should have gone Washington, but <laughs> just to lock that in. But anyway, all good. Um, all right, Cleveland minus seven at Jacksonville. The total is 48 and a half. Thoughts on this one? Well, I said last week that if if Cleveland beat the Eagles, we won't have learned anything about them, and I stand by that. We didn't learn anything about them last week. They they beat the Eagles, and the Eagles aren't much chop at the moment. We all know that. I just still have no idea who the Browns are, what they stand for, what their identity is, whether or not they're a contender. I just haven't seen enough from them to know one way or another. And I think this week is, again, a, a bit of a lose-lose situation for Cleveland. If they win, well, they've just beaten Jacksonville. And if they lose, well, they've lost to fucking Jacksonville. Like, it doesn't, I don't think we're going to learn a whole lot about them unless they're terrible. Um, and I don't think that they're terrible. I just don't know if they're really good. I think the line and total are about right here. And, and just with no trust in, in Baker Mayfield and no trust in Cleveland, I'm just happy to leave this one as a pass and watch it and see what happens. Yeah, and, you know, a part of the Browns last week, sure, they, they, they beat the Eagles, but the Eagles kind of beat themselves a little bit in most in most of that game that kind of put the, the game out of reach for them. Um, yeah, I've got this sort of minus five and a half Cleveland. So I'm, I'm taking the, the Texans plus seven, but I normally don't sort of try to avoid sort of teams where there's a change at quarterback just because you've got, just because we know this or sort of factors – at bay there that are hard to sort of quantify or for, for me anyway. I just, it just adds a bit too much variance, but I know that, that Mike Lennon's an upgrade over Jake Luton. I don't think he's been very good at all. So um, I'm happy to go in here. He's a, you know, a replacement level quarterback. He can 
he can hit receivers in stride. He can he can move the chains every now and then. He's not great, um, but neither is Jake Luton. But I just don't understand why the Browns are good enough to lay seven points on the road without Miles Garrett, without Denzel Ward on defense. Sure, their run game's incredible, but you know the passing attack's been sort of lackluster all year, and we've seen Jacksonville sort of been a little bit tough to beat in, in some patches. You know they play they're playing inspired on defense. They don't have amazing talent, but they're at least you know competing. And I think uh, this is me being a more of a non-believer in the Browns than a believer in the Jags. So uh, I'll take the, the Jags getting plus seven here at home. I might even have a small sprinkle on the money line because mm. it would just be the most Cleveland thing ever to to lose to, <laughs> to Jacksonville here um, after Thanksgiving. So once the season properly starts after Thanksgiving. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at. Um, all right. New Orleans minus six at Denver. Total is 43. Um, I think we're both on the same page, but the reason I'm probably more keen on Arizona than New Orleans is this might scream trap game, um, which we saw Miami sort of do last week, but it's hard to not pick the Saints here minus six. We saw Sean Payton do a great job of crafting that offense around Taysom Hill last week against the Falcons, and they were effective, efficient, productive, and and yeah, it was kind of surgical the way they just sort of slice and dice their way through the Falcons. Sure, it's going to be tougher against Denver's defense, who are ninth in DVOA. You know, that's one thing that the coaching staff should get credit for is Denver's defense, despite sort of whoever's playing for them. They're always a tough out, especially at home. Um, but for me, the biggest takeaway from the Saints the last month has just been their defense. They've just been unbelievable. Um, they, they're so good at stopping the run. And I just can't envision Drew Locke having much more success against the Saints than, than what we saw Matt Ryan last week on turf as well in, in a dome. And, and they still couldn't do anything to Falcons offense. And they're a lot more trustworthy than Drew Locke. And, um, yeah, so even if they've got the advantage in the altitude and, and, and the home field advantage is the last true home field advantage in the NFL at the moment in, in 2020. But, look, the Saints are 13 and 5 against the spread in their last 18 as road favorites. So give me the Saints. Yeah, the Saints are rolling. I mean, we spoke about it a lot during the preseason, how good we thought this Saints team could be. And I think even without Drew Brees, we're getting back to that franchise that we spoke about earlier in the year. They're now the number one DVOA team in the NFL, the number five offense, number three defense, number five special teams. Um, and I think Taysom Hill at, at QB probably makes them more unpredictable on offense because there's so many different things that they can run. Um, with the ball in, in Taysom Hill's hands as opposed to Drew Brees' hands. And not in no way saying that Taysom Hill is a better QB or a better player than Drew Brees, but I think that at this point in time that that, that move helps them slightly. Um, the only area that they seem fallible in is in pass defense where they're, they're only the 10th ranked DVO pass defense. Marshawn Lattimore's having his worst season in the pros um, and uh, they've got some, some issues in, in coverage, but... You know, I don't think that that's going to be too much of an issue here. Like you said, you know, can can anyone see Drew Lock Drew Lock having more success than than Matt Ryan and the Falcons last week? And and I agree with you. I don't think that that's going to be too much of an issue. Um, Darren Armstead announced that he has COVID this morning, so that just happened, uh, I think, in the last couple of hours. But uh, I'm not sure that that's going to stop the Saints to uh, to keep rolling here, and and I've got them to cover that line. Um, yeah, I think it should be an extra few points. Yeah, I think football outsiders have it close to ten. Um, it's kind of the biggest DVOA gap in in the in the NFL um, this week in terms of matchups. So 
Um, I'll say this, Marshall and Lattimore's, you know, you're right, he's been pretty dreadful, but since he played sort of Mike Evans and he always seems to get up for that matchup, he's kind mm. of improved a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Um, so maybe he's starting to round into some form a little bit. Um, so that certainly helps. But, yeah, I, yeah it's, hard, it's just hard to not pick the same tier, but it, it seems too obvious. So it, it is kind of reeks of a trap. But, uh, yeah, oh well, I'd rather go down with picking the Saints given their their, their road form than, than not. So, um, all right, San Fran at LA, uh, the Rams, six-and-a-half-point favourites at home. The total is 45-and-a-half. I think you're all over this. Yeah, Rams just quietly are putting together a really, really good season. There hasn't been a lot of fanfare in LA, but they're 7-3. They've beaten the Seahawks and the Bucks in consecutive weeks. They've got the number six offense, the number eight defense on the year, according to Football Outsiders. So they're, a, they're a really good football team. There is some good news for, for San Francisco fans. Finally getting some bodies back. It looks like Raheem Mostert and Debo Samuel are probably going to play. Jeff Wilson's also possible. Um, so for a year where every week it seems like we're talking about the, the Niners outs, it looks like there's a couple of ins this week, which is good. Um, the Niners won this one a few weeks ago, week seven in San Francisco. Um, I'm just expecting the Rams to flip the tables this week. Uh, I'd prefer the, the six points that earlier when we did our numbers, this line was at seven and a half. Uh, it's coming to six and a half now, which is good. And uh, I think they win this one well. They're in some good form. And, and uh, yeah, I think they win this one well. Always wanting more, Nick. Six and a half is pretty good. Um, it's tempting. Um, I was not a fan at all at this at the seven. Um, I think let, let me find my numbers. Yeah, I've got this flat six, so still nothing for me. Um, you know, if, if I was going to pick a side at the seven and a half, I would have taken the Niners. But now that it's under six and a half, it's it's easily a pass for me. So you know, this opponent for, for the Forty ers after a much needed buy is, is kind of a blessing. So although the Rams are obviously a Super Bowl contending team. They've dropped their last three straight to the 49ers. So they've kind of been a, a little bit of a good matchup here that Shanahan loves playing McVay, you know, recently. And LA's less rested. They're returning home after their fifth East Coast commute this year after a Monday night football game. Um, <laughs> there you go. Matt Patricia's just been fired. Um, so he didn't even survive the episode. Um, fantastic. Uh, that is just, that is perfect that we, the one, the one time ever in this history that we record at 6 a.m. in the morning, Matthew Edward fucking Patricia gets fired while we podcast. This you is, can do this more often. It's quarter to seven. Yeah. It's quarter to seven on the East Coast in Australia and my day's been made already. I haven't even had a coffee and there's my caffeine here. Just hook it to my veins, baby. Finally, let's go. Um, yeah. Bill O'Brien and well. Matt, yeah, Bill O'Brien yeah. and Matt Patricia in the same year. Unbelievable. Wow. What's this coach? What, what am I going to talk about? There's there's forty percent of my content. That's my brand just gone. Um, I'll find new new guys. I think Cliff Kingsbury will be my new target. Even just his game management just shits me to tears. But yeah, there we go. Um, so we haven't been told who will replace them, but we'll, we'll obviously talk about this in more detail. Uh, next week and, and what yeah but Bob Quinn going as well is definitely interesting um, mm. so I thought that he might stick around but it might have been a package deal but yeah busy busy morning in the NFL here on a Friday so uh, um, I was going to say the Niners have covered seven of their last ten as underdogs uh, in games and yeah, as I said they love playing the Rams and look I've been very impressed with Brandon Staley and the Rams defense have been a very pleasant surprise this season. Um, but I'm just going to pass here at this at this 
total. Jared Goff kind of scared me to death uh, late in that game as well. You just had the feeling he was going to throw a pick and, and open the door a little bit for the Bucks to get back in this game. But he, he was shocking in the second half. But um, I still think yeah, Cup and Woods can can do enough here. But yeah, it's hard to tell how many players are back for the for the 49ers as well. So I just want to see them after the bye. It should should Go be fun forward. to watch. I think these these games are always fun to watch anyway. So yeah, should be good. Yeah. One. Two of the best sort of young coaches in the NFL just going toe to toe. I mean, what what more can you want? So, yeah. Um, all right, moving on. Kansas City minus three at Tampa Bay. The total is soaring now. It's up to fifty seven. <laughs> um, what's your thoughts on this one? Well, we we spoke at length about Patrick Mahomes in our last episode, the, the part one of the Thanksgiving preview, um, and I don't think we need to talk too much about the, the Chiefs' offense. We've spoken a lot about the Bucks um, over the last few weeks as well. So I don't think I need to go into too much detail. I'm really keen to watch this one, but I just don't want to bet it. Um, it's a pass for me. I think I'm going to have to add the under as a play here. I just That total's just soaring too high, and I know that's kind of terrifying here to take an under in a in an NFL 2020 game. <laughs> with, with Pat Mahomes. Um, with Pat Mahomes. But um, if it just keeps... It's going to be one to watch. If it gets 57.5 or 58, then I'm going to take the under. So it's a small lean um, on the under 57 at the moment. So I'm just going to keep my eye on that one. But Tom Brady's up to nine interceptions. He's showing his age. He's making bad decisions. Um, and, and Getting a lot standby of his coach too. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of people are also blaming Bruce Arians and, and not even blaming Brady at all, which I think is dumb. But I think I think both can, can get the blame. Brady's not has not been good this season, but at the same time, Bruce Arians is, is not sort of coaching to, to Brady's strengths or, or avoiding his weaknesses because he's obviously got some severe limitations as a passer. I think he's completed like one of his last 25 deep passes for, for yeah, over the last month. So it's not, it's not good. Uh, 15 yards past the line of scrimmage. He's, he hasn't hit a, he hasn't hit a receiver in the last, in the last month. So, that's no good. So they need to start play calling a little bit better to, to the short game. But um, he, he doesn't quite have those sort of running backs that help move the chains for him here in Tampa, you know, in the mm. receiving game like he did in New England. But look, even with sort of their limitations on offense, Tampa's defense has, has played really, really well. Um, they kept them in that game against the Rams, they even gave them a chance to win, to win that game after uh, a massive second half. And I think they can produce a few headaches here for Patrick Mahomes, who... I, who I love, and I, we've talked about him already possibly being the GOAT, but when you look at his schedule, he hasn't really played any really tough defences this year, which is, you know, it's funny how the rich sort of get richer. Like, if anyone could should be able to play and overcome tough defences, it's Pat Mahomes, but he hasn't really played any this year, so this is kind of his first sort of sort of tough task, and we, we've noticed in games he's looked a little bit off, but as we've said on, on our other show, when he's off, he's still a top-five quarterback when he's playing at his worst, so... Um, it's it's not a fun thing to bet against Mahomes, but I'm not a huge fan of the spot here. I've got it sort of two and a half to three. It's it was three and a half yesterday. It's back to three. Um, if it's three and a half, it's probably Tampa Bay or nothing. But I think it's just a pass, and as you said, just more keen to watch it than bet on it. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, Sunday night football: Chicago at Green Bay. Green Bay minus eight and a half. The total is forty four and a half. I've got really no thoughts on this, except I find it really. Interesting and pretty pretty funny actually that this this one was up throughout the week. 
um, and Sportsbook were happy to keep it up and it didn't matter who was named quarterback for for the Bears, whether it was uh, Tyler Bray, Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky. That just tells you all you need to know about the quarterback situation and how how uh, punters in the market rate all three of those. And um, obviously it's Trubisky. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to pass on this. This line's pretty smack on. I think I've got a Green Bay minus nine, so that seems about right to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't really need to talk about the the offense in Chicago and uh, I'm not going to do a whole lot of analysis here other than that the Bears' defense is still top-notch. I expect them to stay close to Green Bay. Uh, the Bears' worst loss all season has just been 14 points away to the Rams. Their other losses, eight, three, seven, and six, so they're always thereabouts. Um, this Packers defense is nowhere near the level of the Rams or the Colts, which is the Bears' two two worst defeats at 14 and the eight, um, the two worst def- uh, defeats of the year. And so I think that the Bears keep it tight or tightish and and um, cover their eight and a half point line. Yeah, okay, going down against uh, taking the Bears. Good luck, mate. Um, yeah, it's unusual for me, but uh, yeah, what can I say? Some more news: uh, Saints. Teron Armstead out, placed on COVID list, left tackle. Mm-hmm. So that hurts the the Saints a little. You might be able to get a you might that might bounce back to five and a half potentially with with that loss. And Grover Stewart, the Colts three year extension, which is just great news because he's had a killer year and deserves an extension. So I'm happy for for my man Grover. Um, just wanted to mention Grover because you know Sunday morning <laughs> you're probably normally watching a different type of Grover. Um, on Sesame Street. <laughs> no, my uh, kid's not into uh, into Sesame Street. It's all Paw Patrol at the moment, unfortunately. Uh, I prefer beautiful. Sesame Street, I think. What about Octonauts? Are they into the Octonauts? No idea what that is. That's a that's another no. good one. Just no, Paw Patrol and the Wiggles is about it for me. Yeah, great stuff. All right, <laughs> let's move on to uh, something that's probably a little less entertaining. Um, that's watching Philadelphia Eagles football, um, who are hosting Monday Night Football. I mean. God, another NFC East TV prime time. <laughs> Seattle are five point favourites here on the road. The total is forty nine and a half. I've got two plays here. I like Seattle minus five, and I like the over forty nine. Sure, sort of laying you know points with with a Seahawks team that's got massive defensive issues this season. It doesn't really seem like a great idea, but I think the defense has actually taken a step forward over the last few weeks. And, and that even includes their loss to, to the Rams. I thought they did a pretty good job that they only held the Rams to 23 points or something. Um, it's just their offense sort of couldn't get anything going against that stellar Rams defense that we just talked about. But yeah, I think they've only given up 44 points in a, in a pair of key divisional games over the last two matchups, the, the Seahawks. Um, they, they got Carlos Dunlap who showed up last week and he's been an improvement for them. And they just get the added bonus of facing a team that's got some issues on offensive line. I think Lane Johnson potentially is out for this game or, or, or carrying yeah. an injury. Um, and they've got a major issue at quarterback in that he sucks. So, um, you know, <laughs> I like the, the Seahawks here. The, look, the Eagles' defense is, hasn't given up at all, and they haven't given up many points as well. So they've, you know, they're fighting and fighting and fighting. But the Seahawks are kind of a different beast than sort of taking on the Giants, Cowboys, and Browns. I mean, who's who's going to cover DK Metcalf when, when Darius Slay's on Tyler Lockett or when or vice versa when Slay's on Metcalf, who's covering Tyler Lockett? So I think this is just a, a good matchup here for Seattle, and uh, I like the over as well. I think they'll score some points. Yeah, I might choose to watch Paw Patrol of the Wheels as opposed to this on, uh, on Tuesday. But, um, yeah, look, I, I nearly put Seattle minus five here in, in my notes because I'm just so sure of it, but because I never bet Eagles games and I have to stick to my gun. Uh, 
it's a it's a pass for me. But you're right about the the locket and Metcalf thing. I've got both of them as plays for their their uh, receiving yards lines. I think Lockett's seventy one and a half, Metcalf sixty nine and a half. I think they both cover that. And uh, Russell Wilson keeps rolling. I feel like if you just took Metcalf and Lockett hundred plus each week. The two of them, one one or two, just go over pretty much every week. I feel, I feel like you'd be. Have they both done it? Have they both gone over hundred in in a single week this year? I think so. We need to check. I'm. You should check I'm that. Positive they have against the pack. Because this is this is the week. This is the week to do it. Probably. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, Darren Bevel named head coach for the for the Lions. Wow. That's. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you've got DeAndre Swift, just uh, buy, buy, buy because they're going to run the ball so much. So, all right, um, all right. That wraps up our uh, our plays for the rest of week twelve. Time for our best bet, obviously, lock of the week, Arizona. Um, so, what's your best bets and, and long shots this week? Um, yeah, obviously, as we said, Arizona one and a half lock of the week. That was one of my one of my best. I've got New Orleans minus six and Chicago at the plus eight and a half. Um, and I think Dalvin Cook gets a ton of carries. Um, volume is, is the game for him this week and 150 plus rushing yard, $3.50, um, half a unit and DK Metcalf, 100 plus receiving yards, 320, half a unit. Okay. Oh, there we go. All right. So he's cutting back to two long shots. I like it. Um, I'm similar with you on, on this play here. Uh, um, yeah. New Orleans minus six for me, Jacksonville plus seven. And obviously Arizona minus one and a half. But with that being our lock of the week, I might change this and take Tennessee plus three here. Mm-hmm. So I've got New Orleans minus six, Jacksonville plus seven, Tennessee plus three. Wow, two AFC South teams. Never good in the one card. But um, in terms of long shots, Derek Carr, 350 plus passing yards at 450 here against the Falcons in the, in uh, inside, indoors, out of the weather. Darius Slayton, 75 plus receiving yards at 350 against the Cincy. Secondary, that's no good. And as I said, Justin Jefferson's going to be a target machine with no added deal. 125 plus receiving yards at $5 there. Uh, Derek Carr will be my half unit. The other two will be the quarter quarter unit there. So that's where I'm at. Best bets and long mind. shots. Don't there we go. Um, I'm just, it's just, it feels good to, to uh, talk about the rest of the slate knowing that you're already off to a winning start for the week, which is after the last. Month's been an absolute strip out. Thanksgiving was a was a pretty good day for us. Yeah, thanks to Washington. Never thought I'd say yeah. thanks to Washington, but um, yeah, there you Outstanding. go. Yep. Um, any final thoughts on on any of these uh, news stories that have percolated over the last two minutes before we wrap up? Oh, my brain, my brain's bubbling from uh, from the Matthew Edward fucking Patricia news. It's uh, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't really know what to say. I'm kind of I'm kind of all over the place now. Yeah. I'm really going to miss seeing a uh, pencil behind the ear on the <laughs> sideline with the laminated sheet. That's just a, it's a combination that we'll miss. So um, we are going to have to find some new content. That's yeah. for sure. Have to go back into the content mine here. Uh, thankfully, the National Football League is a content machine, and uh, yeah, and we'll be back next week to talk talk all things Week Twelve. Talk the Lions firing uh, Bill O'Brien and uh, Bill O'Brien. Wow. That's I'm just reliving that great moment. But firing Matthew Edward fucking Patricia and, and all sorts of the results here. So as who's, always you can follow uh, us. Who who's yeah. Sean Payton gonna troll on Twitter this week? Oh yeah, that's a good one. That should be a market every week. Like <laughs> John Elway, surely. Or maybe. maybe. Could be Peyton maybe. Manning because uh the Denver connection and the old onside kick at the Super Bowl, which still brings me <laughs> bad memories. But yeah. 
Well, good. All right, men, that wraps up the show. Um, as always, follow us on Twitter at PuntReturnPod. You can follow me on Twitter at JYNFL and follow Nick on Twitter at NickSplitter. And, uh, yeah, until next week, enjoy, enjoy week 12 and, and gamble responsibly.